Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the Cane Violation. You're going to uh, switch up the format for the next few episodes. You know, I figured second-round picks, they don't get enough coverage. I mean, you watch the NBA draft. Uh, most of the uh, draft picks are selected during commercial breaks. I mean, this year I fell asleep. In the late second round, I think it was probably around, like, pick 48 where I just passed out. It's like, ah, who cares? Who did the Celtics pick? That's all I want. Oh, some French guy. Whatever. Nighty-night. Because it was, like, 1 in the morning, man. Jeez. So, what we're going to do is we're going to honor these second round picks. We're going to... We're going to do a little deep dive into them, into a select few of them. Now, I recorded this right after the draft, maybe two days after the draft. It was at Greenies. And I just, I asked Greenie, I was like, hey, select a few second rounders here. We went, we went like 30 through 40. I was like, all right, pick out a few guys here, maybe four or five. I can't remember how many we did, but... You'll see. And, uh, yeah, he just, we did a deep dive on them because a lot of times it's actually foreign guys that are picked in the late second round, draft and stash, as they call them. But this year, it's a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, U.S. college players. So, we had Greeny talk about them. We're going to break this up into three parts. This episode will be the first part. It will be picks 31 through 40, I believe. Next episode, uh, which I, I think I'm behind an episode, so I'll drop this next one uh, very soon, uh, will be 41 through 50. And then the last one uh, will be the, the rest of, uh, rest of the, the picks in the second round. And I'll still do movie of the week. So this week it's Ants. I'll talk about that in a bit, but uh, for now, here is Dan Greeny with his second round breakdown. Part one, that is. Okay, and for the second round here, we are going to go in increments of five, so picks 31 through 35. Greeny, let's say, pick out... Uh, Three guys, and we'll uh, we'll talk about them a little bit. So we'll start with uh, you know picks thirty-one through thirty-five. Who who are three guys out of that group that uh, you want to touch upon a little bit? So looking at that group, there I'll go uh, number thirty-two, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, number thirty-three, Jason Preston, and number thirty-five, Herbert Jones. And again, like I've told you. Not a hundred percent sure where these guys have ended up uh, after trades and whatnot, so you'll have to fill me in on that. Most definitely. But yeah, I could start with thirty-two, Jeremiah Robinson Earl out of Villanova, if you like. Yep, he's going to the Thunder. A lot of opportunity there. That would be an ideal spot, I feel like, for a lot of these young players this year, going to a roster that's really in flux, and. Uh, 
He's actually a Midwestern guy. I believe he's from Kansas originally. He was not a big-time recruit that ended up at Villanova. It was kind of under the radar, and he just finished up his sophomore season there. There was some debate as to whether or not he was going to come back for his junior season. But I've heard you say in the past that getting drafted at this spot, early second round, sometimes is ideal for these guys because if you got a good agent, you could work out a nice deal that will get you paid a little bit more um, or get you to free agency quicker, whichever right. it might be. So this is probably an awesome opportunity for him headed back to the Midwest. Um, but as a player, again, he was a little bit of an under-the-radar recruit, uh, not a five-star McDonald's All-American type guy, played a bunch as a freshman, and kind of became a star as a sophomore as an undersized five for Villanova. Villanova typically plays a lot of size on the wing, and so sometimes you can get away with playing a smaller uh, five-man at the college level if you do that because you got a lot of support rebounding from 6'6 six, six wings because other teams that you're playing against don't necessarily have all 6'6 six, six wings. Uh, so he's 6'8", six, 6'9", six, strongly built, um, can kind of step out and shoot it that developed more in his second year as a sophomore. And again, strong enough to bang down low. Um, I think ideally he would be a stretch four in the NBA. It's not going to play five too much. Uh, but he's got the experience down low in some big games. Very physical, um, a very good rebounder for his size. And I'm just thinking of the comparison maybe to like Amari Spellman a couple years ago. He's much more mobile than Amari Spellman, and he can probably shoot it almost as good from the perimeter right now. Spellman was only there for a year. I see this guy sticking in the NBA to some degree. I don't know how long. He's never going to be a star, mm -hmm. but this guy was very, very productive both seasons, especially this season for Villanova. So I think that this is a real quality pick for OKC and a real quality pick for him. Good opportunity. Yeah, he'll definitely have the opportunity in Oklahoma City, I'd imagine. So then let's do 33. We have uh, Jason Preston. Now it looks like he's going to be going to the Clippers. He actually went to my sister's alma mater. That was uh, Ohio University. So this is a pretty unbelievable story. This is one that you don't hear very often. This is a guy that was not even recruited at all to play college basketball. He was going to a small school in Central Florida to be a student. And then somebody says, hey, we need an extra guy for our AAU team, you know, going into his freshman year of college. So people saw him play in this AAU tournament and said, wait a minute, you're not going to play college basketball next year anywhere? What's up with that? So he was steered towards a prep school, which is basically an extra year of high school where you get to prepare yourself, whether it's for academics or for athletics, for the following school year. So I guess he killed it that one year in prep school and ended up getting a D1 offer from Ohio University after not having even D3 offers the season before. So this guy came literally out of nowhere. I guess he grew a few inches during that period of time too and became you know, a little bit of a bigger point guard. This guy is a distributor. And on his level, like you said, at Ohio U, this guy was like a triple-double threat in that conference on a nightly basis. 
good rebounder, good passer, led Ohio U to a huge upset in the NCAA tournament. They won a game, and this guy was the star of that. So I believe he had a year or two of eligibility left, um, but he probably left at the right time when his stock is as high as it's going to be. But four years ago, this guy was not even thinking about playing college basketball. So his ascension has been meteoric. And to get picked at the beginning of the second round in the NBA draft after that, that's pretty incredible. So I think that speaks to his work ethic a little bit. But like I said, as far as an NBA player, if you can hold your own defensively, rebound, move the ball, I mean, maybe the scoring comes a little bit later. But this is the kind of guy that you want on your roster, somebody that really had to work to get there. Nothing was handed to this guy. So, Wow. Good pick. That's incredible. Like that one, too. Wow. So hopefully he'll get some kind of opportunity with the Clippers there. We'll move on to 35. It was Herbert Jones, senior, Alabama. He It looks like he's going to... God, these picks keep getting rerouted. Looks like it's going to be the Pelicans he's going to. So, this guy's a, a wing then? Definitely, yeah. Yeah. So, Herbert Jones, this was the SEC Player of the Year this past season. And you want to talk about an effort guy and a guy that you know, really works hard despite circumstances. The 2019-2020 season at Alabama, he broke either his wrist or his thumb on his shooting hand. He's a lefty, didn't get surgery, and decided to continue to play the season. This was broken in, like, I would say January or February. So down the stretch of the season, headed towards March Madness. This guy's like, nah, just wrap it up. I'll go and play right-handed. What? So his calling card early in his career at Alabama was his defense, his rebounding, his toughness, obviously, if you're going to play with that injury. And he wasn't much of a scorer. He's a very good passer as well. Uh, But, yeah, he basically played the end of that season with one hand and was effective enough to stay on the court. Like, he was a starter. He was a glue guy on that team. And so coming back the following season, this past season, with the healthy left hand (laughs) – he became a star. He became, you know, one of the, the stars of the SEC conference on a very good Alabama team. And the offense obviously improved because he had his, his strong hand. Um, yeah, this, this is a guy that's going to play the three in the NBA. He's going to be able to defend some twos, maybe even a little bit of point guard. And like I said, he's a very good passer. He's going to be able to move the ball. You're not going to get big-time scoring from him, but you're going to get big-time effort. Yeah, defense and rebounding. This is a rotation guy eventually in the NBA. Maybe not first year, but maybe in that situation. In New Orleans, you said? Yeah, it looks like he's going to go there. He might get an opportunity. So I'm thinking about Trey Murphy was their pick in the first round. Mm -hmm. I like this guy's potential better early in the season, early in the rookie season. Um, Trey Murphy's got that jump shot that Herbert Jones doesn't have. He's serviceable, but this guy's toughness, defense, and rebounding might get him on the floor sooner. Wow. Okay. 
All right, so now we'll do picks 36 through 40. Want to pick three guys there to talk about? Let's do it. All right, who are you picking? So I'm going to go to uh, 38, Ayo Desunmu. We'll go 39, Nehemiah Keita. And we'll go to 40, Jared Butler. Very nice. The last three. All right. Let's. Uh, so you like this guy at thirty-eight? Desunmu. Yes. Yep. He will be. It looks like probably going to the Bulls. That's what it appears. One of the few picks that got hung on to. It looks like I like that. Mm-hmm. So clearly they really liked him. And you heard me talking about this guy even late first round. I felt like he could have been a late first round pick. I think there were some whispers about maybe the Nets even taking a flyer on him late in the first round. I could have seen that. That would have been a good fit. But this might be an even better fit, being that he played his ball at Illinois and he's kind of staying home. And uh, This guy has been one of the best players in college basketball the past couple seasons. And uh, Illinois had one of the best teams in the country this past season. So... This is another one of those guys that really developed over his college career. Um, It didn't look like he was necessarily even a consistent minutes guy early in his career at Illinois. And then he really exploded his sophomore and junior seasons and was in the National Player of the Year conversation this past season, as a matter of fact. Um, He's probably going to be a two in the NBA. He could probably defend a little bit of three and a little bit of one. He's a very good defender. Um, but when things got tight down the stretch the past couple seasons at Illinois, this is the guy that had the ball in his hands at the end of the game, making the the decision to score or distribute. Very good one-on-one player, can beat the man in front of him to either score or to dish it off. Uh, Very clutch. He's got that clutch gene. He's not a great shooter, but he made big shots at the end of games, shot free throws well. And again, I think the thing that's going to get him on the court is the fact that he can defend multiple positions. Uh, he's a big-time effort guy. He's, they talk about that motor, you know, whether it's the lack of a motor or a high motor for these guys. This is a high motor guy. It's going to be 100% effort at all times. So that counts for something as well. And yeah, I'm pretty surprised that he slipped down into the second round I'm not sure what that was about maybe it's a positional thing they don't know if he's going to be a two or a three probably a two like I said but I think he could defend multiple spots on the wing and yeah this is a guy I would want on my team if I had an NBA team it's too bad and fall to the Celtics oh well all right so 39 uh sacramento kings this this pick did not get traded um how do you pronounce this keita nehemiah keita yes nehemiah keita he's from portugal but went to utah state was a junior um what kind of center we 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 talking about here a shot blocker shooter rebounder definitely a shot blocker and a rebounder okay um this was another guy that was kind of an afterthought as a recruit like a project type of guy a little bit like Kai Jones. Their game is not 100% similar uh, because Kai Jones steps out a lot more. This guy is, you know, back to the basket, traditional big, um, kind of a throwback, 
but this is another guy that has rapidly developed over the past couple years. All the big schools came calling after the 1920 season during the pandemic, trying to get this guy to transfer out from Utah State, including Kentucky had some interest. And uh, he ended up staying there in at the smaller school in the smaller conference, and he was pretty dominant for back-to-back seasons at Utah State. He was one of the leaders in the country in block shots per game, granted against lesser competition. Um, but when you're an under-the-radar recruit from out of this country and you haven't played a ton of basketball, you know there's a lot of upside there too, like untapped potential. And if he gets with the right coaching group, right assistant coaches, hopefully they can bring that out of him. Uh, not saying that's necessarily in Sacramento, but hopefully it is for his sake. And uh, I did hear on the broadcast somebody making a bold prediction that this guy's going to be their starting center by the end of next season. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, I could see that. No kidding. Yeah, I mean, they it's Rashawn Holmes that's really their center right now. They did just get Tristan Thompson in that deal with the Celtics, but... I mean, we saw how Tristan Thompson was this year. <laughs> so, yeah, let's uh, let's bring in the guy with more upside. No doubt. I, I like that. Okay, so how about at 40? We got Jared Butler. He's from Baylor. This pick looks like it's going to... Let's just double check here. Uh, Pelicans. Looks like he's going to be on the Pelicans. So this one's kind of a head-scratcher to a lot of people, I feel like. I think uh, many had this guy projected in the first round, maybe even close to the lottery because of his success at the collegiate level the past couple years. Again, this was one of the guys that was, you know, kind of the face of college basketball the past couple seasons with Baylor's success and their run to the national title this year, their dominant run to the national title. And that backcourt, of Davion Mitchell and now Jared Butler, who just got drafted. That was one of the best college backcourts you're ever going to see. But again, that's a college backcourt, and it's a little bit different than the NBA. Davion Mitchell has the hops and, you know, the athleticism and the defensive prowess that's going to allow him to be a successful NBA player. Jared Butler has the shooting, uh, the plus shooting, that's going to allow him to play in the NBA. But the other stuff is a bit of a question mark, I think, and that's why he slipped. Like, I wasn't as surprised as some that he slipped to the second round. I think he can be a quality player in the NBA. Uh, But I would say, think like Monte Morris. Mm -hmm. And and maybe that's that's best-case scenario for Jared Butler. Like, I don't know that he's even the distributor that Monte Morris is. Mm -hmm. But if you leave him open, he's going to knock down shots. But I would say this guy should try to be a backup point guard in the NBA, and maybe he can do it for a long time, like Amante Morris. And, you know, step in if there's an injury, do a serviceable job. It's not super athleticism. He could probably hold his own defensively, whereas Davion Mitchell is like a lockdown defender. So that's what separated those two out of Baylor. Um, But, yeah, I think he's going to stick in the NBA. I mean, maybe never be a star. Maybe a starter someday. Yeah, that's... I mean that's not bad. Usually with these second round picks, they they don't end up staying with the same team that drafted them. It's very rare that happens unless the player is just so obviously good that you know they need to hold on to him like a Nikola Jokic. 
So, um, but that that's not to say that they don't stick around the league. It's just sometimes they need to bounce around a little bit. They're uh, usually the guys that are, you know, the people that get cut when, uh, you know, these GMs need to scramble and clear some roster spots, maybe make a trade or something like that. Sometimes these are the casualties. Those so are, yeah, so New ahead. Orleans is going to be tough for him, though, I think. You yeah. said New Orleans, right? I've told you how much I like that Kyra Lewis Jr. who's going into his second year out of Alabama right. at that backup point guard slot. Uh, maybe this guy can slide over and play a little bit of two depending on what they do with the roster. Uh, he's definitely more of a natural point guard, but I think that Kyra Lewis Jr. is going to end up being that stor- starting point guard for them someday, even if they bring in a veteran for a couple seasons now. Uh, so, yeah, it might be a tough spot. So, like you say, maybe he ends up somewhere else in a couple years. But I think he'll stick in the NBA. Okay. And now, our movie of the week. Guys, I got to tell you, I love those creature features from the 1950s, you know, where you have like a giant bug invading a small town, like a, a giant lizard or a giant shrew. I think that was another one. There was... There was a there was one movie in the fifties with like, with killer shrews. I think that's what it was called. But a- any giant bug movie, invading a town, love it, love it, love it. A lot of good uh, spider, giant spider movies like the giant spider invasion. I'm kidding. That one sucked. Uh, Tarantula from the fifties. That was a good one. Even Eight Legged Freaks. I'm a sucker for that one. But you don't hear about too many killer ant movies. You really don't. Them, them is probably the most popular one. So when I came across this movie in the book, I was like, okay, I think... It's pretty obvious what this is going to be by the title of the movie. So I said, all right, I'm down. So the movie is called Ants. Ants, that's it, exclamation point. TV movie, 1977. It has Suzanne Summers in it. That's probably all you guys really... Oh, Brian Dennehy's in it. Bernie Casey. Very cool. Very, very cool. Uh, so I was like, hey, why not? And the movie's on YouTube. The it, It's right there if you want to see it. It's, uh, it's not giant ants, but it's poisonous ants. Small poisonous ants. So, you know, think like a arachnophobia, but with ants, but in the style of a crappy 70s TV movie. And you got this. That's basically it. So it it takes place at a manor, like a, you know, like one of those uh, places you can go on vacation to, stay in a room. Like, it looked like it was a giant bed and breakfast. It's called the Lakewood Manor. They're doing construction next to it. They're building something, probably... I don't know, like a pool house or something. Who really, who cares? Uh, and then, 70s 
some of the construction workers start to go missing. Where'd they go? And then the main character, who's, you know, just some bland... They, a lot of these 70s TV movies, they just had bland, monotone main characters. A lot of them with beards. No personality whatsoever. And, uh... That that's our main character in this movie. He's a construction worker, and he's talking to Bernie Casey, and uh, he's just like, "Hey, you know, some of some of our workers are are missing." And then they're like, "Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen Jenkins in a while." Oh yeah, where where was the last place you saw him? Well, I think he walked over there. So then they walk to the corner of the construction site. And Jenkins is dead. And there's ants all over him. They actually used real ants in the movie. For the most part. I mean, there were some... uh, (laughs) There were times where they were filming inside and there were supposed to be ants on uh, the white walls. And you can clearly tell they just, like, took a marker and just (laughs) drew ants. And then sometimes they got real lazy and just, like, it looks like they just threw dirt on on the walls and just did, like, a, a really big wide shot. So <laughs> but it's still so obvious. They're not ants, but whatever. You know, you got to do what you got to do. It's a TV movie. You don't have the big budget. You don't have CGI. It's 1977. So... They realize there's a problem. Turns out these ants, they got like some radioactive pesticide poison, the mumbo, you know, the waste inside of them. You know, you get the picture. They're poisonous. I guess a couple bites don't do much to you, but, you know, since ants, they can swarm you. If you get, like, a hundred bites, nighty-night, you're dead. At least in this movie. So then, our bearded main character goes up to the manor's uh, owner, and he's like, Hey, man, we gotta, we gotta shut down this uh, this manor. We, uh, we got some poisonous ants. On our property, they just, uh, they killed, uh, three of my construction workers. Uh, can we shut this down? And the guy's like, ah, no, they're probably on drugs. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding, he didn't say that. Um, the guy's like, nah, no way. Our profit margins, uh, they're already slim as it is. We, we need... We can't shut it down. What are you, crazy? A bunch of ants? And then he goes outside. Uh, he, like, he, like grabs a pile of ants, and he just throws it on them. And he's just like, there's nothing wrong with these ants. What are you talking about? But the thing is, a couple ant bites won't hurt you, but they'll swarm you. Then they'll kill you. That That's what happens here. And there's, there's some little boy. He's at the pool with his mom. And he's like, oh, Mom, Dad left us, so uh, I need to find a way to support you financially. Uh, th- this is actually in the movie. He uh, He's running around 
looking for uh, bottles, bottles, you know, to uh, to recycle and get money for. And he's like, that's what I'm going to do, Mom. I'm going to get bottles, and we're going to take care of you. So then he goes over to the trash bin, the, the big, uh, you know, the dumpster that they have outside the manor. And he crawls inside, and there's ants everywhere. And then he's able to get out somehow. But he's co- this kid's covered in ants, and you're like, oh, my God, they're going to kill a kid. But then you're like, eh, they're probably not. It's a TV movie. And he jumps into the pool and survives. But no, that, then the mom freaks out because she's like, hey, he can't swim. He can't swim. It's like, so what? There's plenty, plenty of other people around that can swim. So, more people die, and then the owner, the manor's like, oh, yeah, no, there's, there's definitely a problem here. So, I, a lot happens, but uh, we'll fast forward towards the end. It's basically the owner... Our bearded main character, bearded main character's uh, girlfriend, who, you know, is uh, a real, real uh, well-developed character, <laughs> and they, they're, uh, they're stuck. Oh, actually, no, they have, there's also, like, a, a silent film star. Like, uh, she was actually, like, a silent film star, the actress. I mean, at this point, she's old. Let me pull up her name here. It's one of the longer. You know, maybe I should do more in-depth movie reviews like this. Ooh. I just, I looked up Ants on IMDb, and it gives you the, you might also like, like recommended movies. And there's a, couple that look in interesting kingdom of spiders the savage beast well that's the thing i got this book i'm going a to z it's gonna take like 15 years probably so i'll get to it eventually all right let's who's this lady uh mirna loy born 1905 died in 1993 uh what what was her first movie Yeah, she was like, she was acting in movies in like the twenties. But anyways, she's like, she's like the big like special guest star of this TV movie. But she's there. She's in a wheelchair. I mean, she could probably walk in real life, but it's just like, yeah, I'll do the movie, but I don't feel like walking. Put me in a wheelchair. Push me around. Um. So she's there. It's like four of them. There might be another person. Anyways, a fire truck shows up. This is like an hour into the movie. And out of nowhere hops out Brian Dennehy in a policeman's uniform. And you're like, what what are you doing in a fire truck? And then, you know, he's just ordering people around. Like Brian Dennehy style. 
Brian Dennehy is actually hilarious in this movie. He, he hops out of the fire truck. He's just like, what the hell's going on here? You got these goddamn ants? What are you, what are you talking about? And it's like, yeah, there's a swarm in the building right now. There's, there's poisonous ants. And he's like, all right, what do you want me to do about it? And he's like, yeah, there's, there's people on the top floor. The ants, they're slowly crawling up to the top floor. You got to save them, Brian Dennehy. What are you going to do? Right, and he's like, all right, uh, let's get the ladder over. Let's start saving some people. So they do that. They get the they get the the lady that's in the wheelchair, Lerna Moy. What's her? I already forget her name. Does it matter? Myrna Loy. And uh, yeah, they slowly start saving people, and then. Uh, it uh, it's too late. It's too late because the ants have completely swarmed the whole building. They can't jump out the window. The people remaining inside the building because they're they're too high. Even though they they probably they probably could. They yeah. Would they break their legs? Yeah, probably. But. Would you rather that or, you know, die a very painful death of, uh, you know, getting bitten by poisonous ants, you know? I don't know. I, I, I might just, you know, jump, perhaps. But no, there are, are three, the three remaining people, bearded guy, bearded guy's girlfriend, and uh, the, the jerk uh, owner of the building, they take what appears to be, I think it's like, they build like straws or something, or no, no. They pull off wallpaper, roll it into a tube, and this construction worker who, uh, I, maybe I think he talked to an ant expert or some shit, and was like, you know, if you just stand still, the ants won't bite you. So they get in like a weird circle. And they just put the tubes in their mouths. And it's uh, almost like they're meditating. And they uh, they just let the ants crawl on them. And uh, the guy was right. The ants don't bite them. But the owner of the manor, the greedy owner of the manor, he can't stay calm. He freaks out. And start biting him, he's dead. And then, what do you know? The people in hazmat suits come up, save them, and uh, yeah, they kill all the ants. That's the movie. That's a movie, pretty much. Oh, there's one funny scene where uh, a helicopter comes to try and save them from up on the roof, but instead, uh, the uh, the helicopter just blows more ants onto uh, bystanders that are watching everything unfold. So that Bernie Casey actually has to spray everyone with the hose to get the ants off. No one dies though. It's 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 not that great. It's not complete garbage though. So this gets the Abbey rating. Tier 2, 2 stars out of 4, 
Yeah, I don't do half stars. It's either it's either tier one, two, three, or four. Four being the best. We have a name for tier two and three. It's Abby. Two. Alice is three. Named after the first uh, movies to get those ratings. Pretty much. So that's it. And, uh, uh, not too many ant hip-hop songs. If you want to call this hip-hop, eh, it probably isn't. But, whatever. It's what I picked. Talk to you next week. Or actually, next episode will be out soon. Oh, joys arise, the sun has come again.
Where's North from here?
some kind of nature, some kind of soul, some kind of mixture, some kind of gold, some kind of majesty, some chemical load. Some kind of metal made up from glue, some kind of plastic I could wrap around you. Needy eat man-made, they wear phony clothes. They sit with our picture and build big Plastics and digital foils to wrap up the sound and protect the girls from the spiritual poison we spell at night. Like phony clothes, but I really like my some kind of nature. Some kind of nature. Where you can't get what you want 